トーム・スティーブこんにちはこの番組すごいですねあなたたち超面白い私が番組出てもいいふん Welcome to Masters of Profundication. I'm Tom with them. I am Steve Piles, and this is an inaugural podcast. Yes. If you were. Which begs the question. No, it doesn't. Do... Sorry. It's、That's、on his knees、piece. right now, begging. <laughs> oh, there you go. Okay. It's begging me.、Uh, <laughs> why do we need a podcast? Because there's a lot of things that need profundicating、mm-hmm. out there in the pop culture world. We're going to profundicate them. Sing it. <laughs> <laughs> Not literally.、Uh, no, nobody wants that. Nope.、Uh, we talked about starting our own podcast because we want to monetize it and make money off you guys. Well, that's the name of the game. That's the name of life is to make money. <laughs> we are But, a couple of very good capitalists.、Uh, Steve and I work together and we spend a lot of time、uh, just chit chatting. And we find that a lot of the things that we talk about are interesting, at least to us. And we figured that if we could sit around and have a conversation and record it, it might,、um, might make some sense to some other people. So that's why we have a podcast. And I like what you said it makes sense to us because we have tried to bring other people into it and they just they don't get it, you know? Yeah. Like they don't、does. see why we would love to peel away the layers and examine everything with a fine tooth comb. I, I find it endlessly fascinating. I know Tom does, but there's been a lot of other people out there, friends of ours, acquaintances, that when they hear what we're talking about, just shake their heads and call us nerds. And walk away. Yeah. Well, there's, there's a, for the longest time, there was a war against the nerds, but guess who's winning the war? Oh, yeah. That's right. We can come、We're、out bringing, of the cold now. Bringing some people into the fold. <laughs> but for the most part, there's a lot of、uh, entertainment and pop culture that is just appreciated for what it brings to the surface. Um, and we found that there's a lot more to things. And if you start looking at, Where movies are made, how they're made,、uh, how characters are formed, how actors and actresses are picked for certain roles. It can make a difference. And that's fun to talk about and think about. Yeah. For me, it seems like, and I know this isn't exactly a profound statement, but it's something people forget about all the time is that pop culture is, it's us, you know? Like it doesn't happen re- in a vacuum. It's a reflection of us. Even if we don't like it.、Mm-hmm. It, it says, your pop culture says more about your pop culture tastes. Say more about you than you would like to be said in a lot of instances, I would say. Yeah. Which we'll get into a little bit later when we talk about lists and、yeah. how people、yeah. identify with people that have the same movies on their lists, or at least people who are willing to take two seconds to not talk and let somebody else talk about what's on their list and why it's on their lists. So, which is always a trick. Yeah. <laughs>、um, so,、uh, in this part of the podcast, maybe we can talk about、um, equipment we're using, maybe. And how we're doing this and how we're getting it off the ground. And、uh, we are recording this on Google Hangouts. Both of us. Primeval days wearing our、uh, free Apple earbuds to listen to each other. Yeah, I will eventually get my over the ear, really nice Bose noise canceling <laughs> $400 headphones. Well, don't you have to get beats now? Isn't that what the cool kids do? I don't know. <laughs> I think, yeah, that's just the name. And they're probably decent. They're better than what we're using right now. but... Yeah, yeah. We actually had to put in、uh, headphones to do some echo canceling and stuff like that. But yeah, it was pretty bad on our test run. I'm,、uh, I'm right now. I'm broadcasting from my wife's office, but this is probably the last, the first and last broadcast from here because I'm building an underground bunker for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> and that's why where I help do all my recording. Well, Radio Free America will broadcast live to the wasteland. That's right. Pump up the volume. 
Yeah, no? I remember the trailers. I never actually saw that movie. So, yes. <laughs> oh, Christian Slater. Christian Slater pumped it up, I, I have no doubt. I, I just can't attest to that personally. Well, he was pretty busy gleaming the cube. <laughs> it's, gleaming the cube is one I watched over and over again. So, yeah, there you go. Pretty good. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway, we're... Uh, I can't remember the blue microphones is what we ended up getting. But you must have just moved away from your head because it... Yeah, I did. All right. I just moved it so I could do this. Uh, yes, and now, now it's profound. The snowball, uh, the blue snowball ice. Which that's neither is blue nor contains ice, which I think we could sue for false advertising, but that's a whole different podcast. Yeah, because they have a blue, they have a black one and a white one, but not a blue one, but it's called blue. It's strange. Well, I mean, I'm strangely comfortable talking to a big giant ball, so I don't know what that says about me. It speaks volumes. It's fine. But it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. So as the podcast progress is progresses, progresses. Maybe progression we'll immenses. Upgrade. We'll upgrade a little bit. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. Once your people start paying us. So what um what games are you playing on your phone? On my phone? Well, we both know the number one answer to that one. Yes. The number one consumer of data and battery life on my phone, which I can keep track of, is Clash Royale. Oh, you can actually keep track of it, huh? How much it's sucking out? Yeah. Uh while you're talking about Clash Royale, I'm gonna look on my phone and see what I've used. So for anybody that doesn't know what it is, you're probably familiar with Clash of Clans is from the same people, Supercell. It's a tower defense game that is maybe the most addicting phone game I've ever even laid eyes on in my life. That includes like plans versus zombies, anger versus any of that crap. I can't stop playing Clash Royale. And uh, as much as I try, I still throw down five bucks a week or so on the freaking game too. I have used forty two percent of all the battery life on my phone for Clash Royale. Oh, <laughs> Is that an app you use to take track of that, or is that no? Nope. If you go into settings and then battery, if you give it a second, it'll calculate what you use all your battery on. Oh wow! Look at it go. Yeah, forty-two percent of my battery is used by. That's well, not telling me. It just says usage and standby. Well, anyway. Oh, you you must have one of those old iPhones. Ah, oh, the success. <laughs> it's ancient relic. I'm sorry. <laughs> um. So I've been. I I say I've been playing. I haven't really been playing. I played it once. It was the free app for the week a while ago, so it was regular like two ninety nine, and it was free, so I had to try it. It's a text-based game, Ooh. and I've noticed a trend. I'll, I'll tell you about it in a second, but I want to say that I've noticed a trend. I have looked through the app store, and something that is making a huge, I don't know if it's a comeback, or I don't know what to call it. It's, it's coming around, and it is text-based games, and this one in particular is named Whiteout, and... The gist of this is you are texting with uh, an individual who has got amnesia and they've woken up. They're in what I would say the Arctic or some sort of outpost that is snow covered. And it's very Resident Evil-ish. It's very, I don't know how to explain it other than, so this guy is texting with you yeah, and you're texting back what he should do. Well, I say texting. You're He's texting you and you're giving him choices of what he should do. And you're, it's kind of a modern day choose your own ending novel. Yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say that's choose your own adventure all day long. It's, it's definitely choose your own adventure. And it's a guy and he's trying to find shelter. He's trying to make sense of his surroundings. He's, he can't remember who he is. 
There are certain things that he looks at that, uh, like his uniform, he's wearing a uniform, maybe that he, he meets up with a dog. The dog is starving. Should he feed the dog? Should he let the dog die? Should he, you know, it's, it's interesting. And I decided after about a day of playing that I was going to kill him. (laughs) (laughs) And it was a decision I made when he stopped listening to me. (laughs) <laughs> he stopped doing what I suggested he do. Well, if he doesn't know what's best for him, he might as well die. I think that's good general life advice. Yeah. So I, who makes that game? Uh, the manufacturer, producer, what do they do? Uh, is... <clears throat> the putter-outer. It's called... There's there's many of them, and it's called Lifeline. Yes. Uh, okay, I played Lifeline. I'm looking at... Yeah. yeah. But that wasn't an anarchy thing. That was a guy who crash lands on a planet thing. It's the same thing, only it's called Whiteout. And it just flashed on the screen, and I couldn't get it. So hold on. It's, so like, yeah, you get like... Um, Three minute games is the is three the minute games. That, that's productive that's, company. Yes, and I played Lifeline, and I freaking loved it. I loved it. It was so cool. I I like, but I didn't this. I didn't kill the guy. I, or, I remember I was like gender ambiguous. Like it could have been a guy or a girl. So I didn't kill I, the person. I think this might have made me choose. I don't know, but I killed yeah. him. Guilty. <laughs> yeah, totally. Just go poke that monster with a stick. It's gonna be fine. Yeah. It's gonna be fine. No, I walked him off a cliff. I totally. Oh. Yeah, he could. <laughs> if he's gonna walk off a cliff because of your instructions, and yeah, he needs to die. He just needs <laughs> yeah. to cleanse yeah. the gene pool. Yeah, we're better off as a society without him. <laughs> yes, it should be just um, Darwinism. The game. But I have, I have probably six games that I have on my phone, and I am down to playing just one. Yep, I, I paid for, uh, I paid for an app called Rains. You ever heard of that? Is that like a strip card? <laughs> Making it rains. No, it's R E I G N S. <clears throat> yeah, it's like a strip club. Just, just if, like if a we, really if good we strip club. <laughs> If we start a strip club, we're naming it Reigns. Um, <laughs> the champagne room is going to be really weird, but people will like it. Anyway, it is a yes or no game. There's really not much skill to it. It's got some silly sound effects. It's got some interesting artwork. And essentially, you are the king, and you have to rule. And the point of the game is how long can you rule before you're either ousted, killed, uh, dethroned of um... some way. And so they present questions to you. now. This is, I'm making it sound far more interesting than it really is. <laughs> because yeah, if I play this game, I'd be like, how long till I can just, you know, invade another country? How can, can well, I kill some villagers? What, what can I start doing that? They they bring things to you and they, I never figured out how it mattered. They, they grade you on four, I can only say skills, but they're not really skills. One is money, one is religion, one is popularity, and one is war. And every decision you make either brings up a positive or a negative on one of those things. And I, I haven't figured out a way to balance that because you have no control of the questions that are coming. So one of the questions might be that villagers in the South are getting unruly. Do you want to go invade and kill them all? Yes or no. Hmm. Um, and then the next question might be a uh, king from another land wants you to marry his daughter. Are you going to marry her? Yes or no. And then the next question might be uh, there are some witches that are casting spells. Do you want to go kill them all? Do you want to raise taxes? Do you want to do X, Y, and Z? And the, the point of it is to just last X amount of swipes and each swipe is a year. And I think the highest I've made it is like 17 years. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, for a keenness, that's so bad. And 
there's really no way to gauge the weight of your decisions other than they increase or decrease your popularity in those four categories. But there's no there's no way for you to balance those. Anyway, it's weird. It was like two bucks, and I, I regret the purchase. <laughs> so stay away from Reigns, unless it's a strip club. Right. And then stay away, because we all know those girls have chlamydia. <laughs> but they'll do whatever you say. So it's a trade-off. I don't know. It's right. called Reigns. Yeah, I don't play. I Seriously, I play Clash of Clans and Clash Royale. That's that's what I've wheedled out my phone games to, because I couldn't take the freemium crap anymore. I just couldn't. Well, it's, the open it's, ended never never goes. I'm fully addicted to Clash Royale, so I'm not stopping that anytime soon. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I just I'd rather sit down and play a real video game that I paid sixty bucks for. Right. Um, I've paid ooh probably the most money I've ever spent on a app game is Clash Clans. I've I've spent in the hundreds. Yeah. yeah. But I haven't. I log in once a month now just to see how poorly my town is getting destroyed. Oh, I still look at that every day, but I stopped paying money for it. So Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, so moving on. We let sure. The main, main topic for the podcast, our inaugural podcast, is tropes. And is <clears throat> probably, gotta love them, gotta hate them. Probably somebody listening or somebody that will listen that has no idea what a trope is. So where does that sound? So yeah, um, it's weird. I just yeah. If you're not into pop culture, you're not going to. You would be surprised the amount of people that aren't into pop culture enough to understand what a trope is and how it affects everything. Everything. Everything you're seeing on the screen. So if you don't mind, could you explain in brief what a trope is? Well, I will say this as an introduction to the topic. If you don't know what a trope is, think of the thing that you love the most, whatever TV show, movie, help, probably music even can fall into that category. Anything with a story or a plot or a structure. And somewhere, somewhere, somebody along the line that created it had to think about tropes in that, should I follow the same old tropes and make it familiar and easy? Should I buck a trope and make it strange and weird but creative? A trope would be something that is a formula for a story structure. The the first trope that comes to almost anybody's mind when you're talking about it, it's called the hero's journey, right? Yeah. Where you have somebody, the, the villager, who doesn't know he's special, that finds the magic sword and fulfills his destiny to become a king. But along the way, he's got to fight a dragon and a, and a demon and overthrow the evil wizard. and A quest. You know, find his destiny. That's a trope. And that's a trope that in some way, shape, or form you find all over the place. And yeah. In Star Wars, let's let's go right to the right to the source. Is the hero's journey from start to finish. The poor moisture farmer living on the desert planet has a secret destiny that he never realized until crazy circumstances are out of his control and force him to realize that destiny and be the savior of the galaxy. That formula is repeated over and over again. That is a trope. But here's the question: Is that a bad thing or a good thing? Right. And also to clarify, tropes can be huge and encompassing an entire. Uh, movie series like from nuts to bolts star wars is a trope all by itself but you can have a trope that is just one single scene that is a device to do something within the plot and right my least favorite trope that i guess as we just as we talk about this we'll talk about what our favorite trope is and what our least favorite trope is um, oh, yeah. I got an answer for both of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think something that um, I can't stand in movies, the old trope, and you know I've told you this before, is the surprise helicopter. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't stand when a character in the movie is delivering <clears throat> some sort of mic drop moment speech. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, usually like rising up from the horizon, or I'm, I'm sorry, rising up from like a building top or a cliff. Uh, all of a sudden, there's a helicopter there that nobody knew was there. Well, I'm yep. sorry. You did not hear coming. <laughs> if you, there was no there was, warning for. There was a helicopter a mile away. You would hear it. Yes. And if there was a helicopter, <clears throat> literally ten feet below you, waiting for waiting for you to finish your monologue, <laughs> so <laughs> so it could rise up over the the crest of the building top that you're standing there, you would you wouldn't even be able to talk. You like the person you're monologuing to wouldn't be able to hear you because <laughs> 20 feet away there was a helicopter. I'm sorry. That's the I scene I want to see in a movie where some helicopter pilot's sitting there hovering below eyesight, yeah, talking waiting. to the guy in the like, "Hey man, we're running out of fuel, especially when we're running whisper mode. It really sucks down the fuel. I don't know how. No, no, no. It's not dramatic enough yet. It's not. Wait a minute. He's not pissed off. We gotta wait. No, you gotta wait, dude. We're gonna follow this guy. No, no, we're gonna wait. You will wait. Uh the drama is not thick enough. Okay, now go up. He just said that? he's gonna make you pay. <laughs> that extends to any vehicle and or device, plot device, whatever you want to call it, in a movie where it's designed to be dramatic. This this moment happened, and without your knowledge, I guess because you were distracted by the person talking or whatever, all of a sudden something that would normally be really loud appears out of nowhere and is being very loud. That yeah. It's just, to me... That's a very difficult. That's a difficult thing. I mean, you can apply that to like some kind of fantasy movie or something like that. The dragons just came around the mountain, and then bam! It's like it's a fucking dragon. You're not going to not hear that thing roaring as well. Or one of the best examples I think of surprise helicopter is <clears throat> Magic Lobby Tyrannosaurus Rex in Jurassic Park. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh my god. Yeah, you mean the 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 uh, Tyrannosaurus Rex that they made. You could hear coming a mile away, like right. in the middle of the movie when it's the like an earthquake. Walking. Yeah, it's it's an earthquake. Those iconic walking. scenes in any movie ever is like that cup of water vibrating. Then at the end of the movie, the thing gets sneakers or something becomes a yeah. ninja, ninja dinosaur just sneaks ninja. right in there and grabs a velociraptor. And boom! There you go. Oh my god, ninja dinosaur would be <clears> the best movie ever. I feel like they must have made that movie at some point. They have. I, I would watch ninja. dinosaurs, so there's got to be a ninja dinosaur somewhere. I'd watch ninja dinosaur. <laughs> Maybe they get Whoopi Goldberg to play his sidekick. <laughs> What's your least favorite trope? My least favorite trope is the Deus Ex, Mach- Deus Ex Machina trope, where something pops in there that had no precedence to save the day. Like, and this is terrible in like a lot of TV shows that use magic. Like, there's always a magic spell that somebody's like, "Oh, there's a spell for that. That'll fix blah 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 blah." Really? Are you fucking kidding me? There's some- it's something that pops up in there that was never established, that was never explained, and that you know, like the hero is running for his life and then trips over a rocket launcher. There's no reason a rocket launcher should be there. You know, there's no, there was never a fight there. There was never, it's, you're not running from an arms factory. There's just, hey, there's a rocket launcher there and it was off camera. He just happens to grab it and he can blow up the tank that's chasing, you know, crap like that. So what's the name of this trope? What's the name of this Deus, trope? Deus Ex Machina, which is Deus trope. Deus, you know, like, I think it's D-E-U-S. Yeah. You know who the master of that trope is? The absolute has made a billion dollars off that trope. J.K. Rowling. J.K. Rowling. Oh my God! Yeah. Well, that's and that's what it's such a problem when you do fantasy magic stuff. 
because oh, there's a spell for that. Oh yeah, there's a spell for that. Totally, yeah. Buffy. As much as I love, I love the Buffy TV show. There was I, I like the movie too. I'm not gonna lie. Call me what you will, but. <laughs> There, that was the thing every week. Oh, there's a spell for that. There's a, there's a spell for everything. They just it's like, okay, get out the book. We're gonna find this little snippet of a page that's gonna tell us exactly how to beat this demon. Oh, okay, cool. Let's go do that. Oh, we have the materials we need right in the fucking back office here. Or we just gotta go dig in this grave that just happens to conveniently be in this town where this tomb has this magic sword. In. Oh god, it kills me. <laughs> what's what's the opposite of that? The opposite? I would I'll, call it Chekhov's I'll, gun. Well, okay, we can talk about Chekhov's gun in a minute, which. I guess is could be my favorite. I guess that, which is my favorite. Yes. Yeah, but um, I love Chekhov's gun. More specifically, uh, the opposite of your trope, which I'm not gonna I'm not gonna butcher the name of it again. Uh, D E M. Let's call it that. Right. There you go. Dem. Um, Dem. Uh, the Harry Potter balls. books. <laughs> balls. No. Dem balls. Dem balls. Dem bones. Dem dry bones. Dem bones. Uh, no. The opposite would be. How many times in the Harry Potter books would there be like a spell that they, oh, well, why don't we just use this time travel spell? And then all yeah. of a sudden time traveling. And then it's kind of like, hey, you know when that would have been really cool? Like three movies ago. Every asshole. other every other crisis moment in the entire series, we could have used right. this time travel. Uh, you know where you can wave your magic wand and have it do this thing? How come you didn't do it like five books ago, asshole? You know, why didn't you see? Why didn't you <laughs> exactly. do it then? Exactly. When you have a deus ex machina, it destroys all credibility you've tried to establish in anything you've created. As an aside, you remind me, maybe my second least favorite trope is time travel. If you can call it a trope, maybe it's just a plot device, but I don't know what the difference between those would be. Yeah. But anyway, time I'll... travel sucks, and it's never done right. It can be entertaining, you know, back to the future, but it always, always is. If you try to make a serious movie, it's you can never make it work with time travel. Never. Um, like I, I, I challenge you to think of a movie where they use time travel in a serious way and not a fun rom that it works that doesn't have just giant Mack truck sized plot holes in it. Well, the only one that I can think of is Primer, but that that still has its problems. Yeah, okay, that's true. But like something like uh, Millenn- what was it, Millennium Timeline? Not oh, Millennium is no Millennium is the one where the aliens were taking people off planes before they crashed. Was it? What's the one I'm thinking of with um Final Countdown? No, no, it's like it's either Millennium or Millennial. I know that. Huh. But the whole thing was about time travel. Like that blonde comes back in time to um, Bone, what's his name, from Aliens. <laughs> from Alien. Terminator? The captain. No, the captain. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'm getting all these time travel. Well, Terminator falls apart as soon as you start thinking about it. Like, why wouldn't, why, why wouldn't we send one? Why didn't you send him back to kill Sarah Connor's ancestor, not just Sarah Connor? You know, stuff like that. Completely falls apart when you try to think about it. Maybe... In Terminator, uh, Skynet decided that it would be a way better story to send. (laughs) Skynet's really all about the fiction. (laughs) Well, I mean, Skynet knows that it's going to live through anything. Why not have a little fun while you're why not let, let's torture this woman let's <laughs> let's really this woman, run this woman has screwed us <laughs> so bad screw the human race but screw her particularly so the movie also has cheryl ladd with a big yellow mohawk it's great i remember liking the movie but i did I too like, but i also watched it when i was a kid and it just the right. plot holes were rampant which again we'll talk about on a future episode about how movies do they hold up or not? Yes, yes. Um, so I will, I will say this: my third uh, man it just feels like a hit list of tropes. My third least favorite trope 
and it burns my ass every time I see it. Dream sequences. Universally. Just dream sequences universally. I hate, hate them. It. Hate them. Because they add nothing. Because all they are is a cheap way to either A, try to give you a motivation of a character. Like, oh, he lost his mother when he was a child and he dreams about it and keeps him awake at night and haunts him. Or they're a way to try to give a cheap thrill to the audience. Like, oh my god, these two main characters are going to hook up. This is, oh no, it's a dream sequence. This is not actually happening. Batman versus Superman. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> of all the sins that movie committed, the runaway dream sequences is probably what burned my ass the most. Um, and Mark. So, hold on a second. Batman versus Superman. Let's see. It has definitely hit. I'm going to just go out on a limb and say it, it hit the surprise helicopter trope somewhere along the way. But Oh, absolutely. It's got had to have. It included time travel <clears throat> with the Flash coming back in time. Oh, right, right. I was trying to think, but yeah, you're right. And it involved dream sequences. Now, over and over and over again. <laughs> Does it also hit your DEM? <laughs> Let's see. Was it DEM? Let's see. Um, if it does, I think Three Strikes and that movie is out. Kind of. The appearance of Wonder Woman at the end maybe kind of fits that. I wouldn't say it comes out of nowhere. Yeah, no, probably not. Mm. I'll have to- it almost necessitates me rewatching it to figure it out, and I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. So, wait, would you count knowledge? Because he didn't know that Superman's. Oh, spoiler alert! Yeah, if you haven't seen Batman versus Superman and you really want to torture yourself, don't listen. Yes, but when he's about ready to kill Superman, and Superman brings up his mother, because we always talk about our mothers by the first name, right? And <laughs> Batman and Superman share the same mother's first name. Their their yep. mothers share the first name. And that triggers something in Batman to make him instantly sympathetic to Superman. Yep. Instantly. What do you mean, Martha? Why do you say that? <laughs> don't talk about my mom. What are you talking about, Martha? <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know what that trope is. I that I, I guess I'm changing it. My least favorite trope. And I don't even know what to call it. But it is when a character does something so far out of bounds of what they've built that character to there do. Go, yeah. And I'll tell you who's the worst at that is Rick Grimes in The Walking Dead. They you say have, that, but you gave up on Walking Dead, so I don't know if you have enough authority to talk about it anymore. Okay, up until like the fourth season. <laughs> don't don't build a character to do one thing just to have him do the opposite of what he would have done. Like when he started going nuts? Yeah. And I kind of give him a little leniency on that because I'd probably go nuts too. But I think that maybe that that's something that creative people or people who write for television and write for movies. I think that that is something that is either overlooked or it's a detail that'll get lost when, you know, the, it serves the movie or it serves the TV show. Now you got to make some allowances and I'm not saying they do this well in every case and probably not even the walking dead, but you got to make some allowances for a character arc, right? You can't just have the character be the same guy. The first episode is in the 50th episode. Right. But don't make somebody like this super badass sharpshooter that, all of a sudden, when it counts, can't do his job. Don't build somebody up to be X. And I'm trying to think. I, I know I can come well, up see, with an example. Now, but. I could, I would almost disagree with you there because if you if you can establish a reason, that can add the drama. Because nobody wants to – I'm not going to say nobody, but nobody – most people don't want to watch somebody who's perfect from start to finish. They need the drama. They need the angst, the, the, the crisis. Right, but but give a reason for it aside. Yeah, you, from, have, to, you have to establish it, which is – Essential. You have to have a, a character arc, not a character teleportation, I guess you could say. Right. You can't have a character start of A and also magically be a B. You know, like the guy, the guy that starts off the series has, has got it together. He's a natural leader. He knows what to do. And, and he's, then all of a sudden, for nowhere, he's like, oh, God, help me. I don't know what I'm doing. Right. 
if it's a slow crumble of sanity. Right. Um, if you can watch the steps, that makes for some engaging, engaging storytelling. Yeah. If he just one day ups and like, oh yeah, I'm an asshole today. Okay, cool. I guess well, be an asshole. Okay. Right. I guess I just don't like any anything turning on a dime without it being established. Yeah. Why? I really wish I could give you an example, but it's gonna hit you like later. It will. Anyway, so favorite trope. And we both have our favorite trope, and we've mentioned it already, is Chekhov's gun. What is Chekhov's gun? Chekhov's gun, I think, uh, stated was, if you have a gun, that's like a writer said this years and years and years ago, if you have a gun in the first act, it's got to be shot by the third act. Paraphrasing, but basically something like that. Yep. And, and I have seen people think of that as lazy storytelling, and I don't understand why, because that, in my mind, shows planning and structure and a real plot. If right. you introduce something, something, someone, some plot point in the first five minutes of the book, the TV show, the movie, whatever the case may be, and you kind of keep mentioning it as time goes on. The hero has something, you know, the gun. The hero has a special gun that he's picked up from his dead grandfather. Yeah. That he doesn't, you know, he's like, oh, you know, maybe you know, we should keep this. And then somebody takes it and he can't find it, but he gets it back in the second act. And then finally in the third act, it's laying in his bureau and he pulls it out the last second. That's not a deus ex machina. That's not, if, the, if that gun showed up in the third act and used that to kill the villain, that would be deus ex machina. But you've established it from the beginning and you've given it its own little backstory and you've given it its own little plot points as time goes on. And then boom, there it is. But that goes above and beyond just a gun. You can't have Spock and Uhura uh, flirt in the first First act and then not be full on getting it on in the third act exactly yes yeah, gotta pay off you have to have it pay it, off. you have it, to have something happen it's a payoff you, you've set it up right not necessarily a gun but it it's it's named that because of a gun but it could be anything you can't expose something you can't show something you can't pay attention to something in the first act that doesn't have some sort of payoff in the third act. I remember when I was a kid, I had a friend that always said that he would love to have made a movie where he has something, some monster, some something terrorizing a city, because I think he would think of Godzilla at the time. But in the background, you always saw a group of like scientists watching like a group of people like in white coats or doing something like distinctively mm-hmm. and they just kind of are there but there's nobody refers to them nobody talks about them nobody points to them nothing like that and then by the end of the movie once it's all said and done they pick up the monster's corpse and take it back and you realize it was them all along just running a test yeah. seeing how well it performed that's like that'd be kind of cool you know something yeah. like that um you know what kind of has a little bit of a, a checkoff's gun that doesn't go off is uh, Stranger Things. But you got to make some allowances for a continuation. Yep. If you have a planned multi multi season, multi, like a trilogy, something like that, you can have a Chekhov's gun that doesn't go until the third fucking movie, which I would say is actually brilliant if you can pull that off. I agree, but with attention spans nowadays, yeah. it's, it's a little bit of a disservice to fans to, spoiler alert, talk about the monster in the upside down. And then when it comes time for the uh, payoff, it's lackluster. It's just you, a monster. There's no explanation of what it really is. Right. And yeah. I'm, I guarantee in the second season of Stranger Things, there's going to be a lot more of an explanation about the monsters that come from the upside down. However, right. in the first season, you have a monster that can travel through walls and through time and space. And there's no explanation as to how and why they do it. And then when you finally get confronted with one of the monsters, it kind of falls flat yeah like they explained why it was in our world but they didn't explain why it exists in the first place why the other world if it's a pale reflection of our world why is it all fucked up and why does it have monsters you know stuff like that right and you could almost say 
that reminds me of like the mist which i think had a brilliant ending but was unsatisfying in that parallel dimension just deal with it we're gonna move on like there's no explanation there's <laughs> that's no a good trope. i like that trope that's one of my favorite tropes I parallel dimension just just deal with nope. it yeah just deal with it i love <laughs> i love that that trope just deal with it uh yeah the book the mist went into a little bit more detail about the soldiers that were in the supermarket were talking about yeah. what was going on up, up on the hill at the army base so they had a little bit more insight but that that does that's another thing that we'll talk about later on in another pod- podcast is favorite endings and that yes. the mist the mist will absolutely go into the record books for me as one oh. of my all-time favorite endings i will say this what i, I saw in the theater when it first came out and i watched out that thing if a horror movie is ever going to win an oscar it would be that one yeah still think it should have because you know movies that actually win oscars are crap anyways <laughs> well true that's just a jerk off session for yeah actors and people in hollywood speaking of jerk off movies uh mm. wait a second uh hail caesar have you seen that no and i actually did want to but i never got around to it i got about halfway through and i couldn't finish it because it oh, is yeah. all it is is a uh, movie studios jerk off session. This is how we make movies. This is all behind the scenes. This is how awesome we are as actors. This is how awesome we are as production company. It's all it is, is them self gratifying. Coen brothers movie, right? Yeah. And I, I typically like them. Mm -hmm. Um, But this hail Caesar was absolutely terrible. I had to shut it Shut it off. Okay, now I gotta ask you this, and this is maybe this is I think we might be straying a little bit from the tropes, but I still gotta ask you this because you brought it up. Are you one of the people that gave me crap about not liking Super Eight? No, I love Super Eight. Right, and I hate it. (laughs) I okay, I can't say I hated it. I say for the same reasons you said. I think it was a jerk off session for all these directors, like Steven Spielberg, and I mean, really, like M Night Shyamalan, like all these guys, J.J. Abrams, that from a young age they knew they wanted to be directors, and they had all these fantasies when they were kids about making movies. And what if it was real? And it didn't appeal to me whatsoever. And I slowly come to realize I might be in the vast minority of opinion on that one, but. No, it the scene in the movie that really hits that home for me is where on when they're on the train station, yeah. and the the little girl actress is delivering the lines like she's like a thirty year vet in Hollywood. You know what I mean? Like right. she's knocking it out of the park, and the the director <laughs> kids fall in love with her, and it's a very dramatic scene. And it th- absolutely one hundred and ten percent that is J J Abrams setting up a scene that he has relived in his head a million times. Yes, and that's what I that's all I got I was like I'm watching this guy that had that waited his whole life to get the pull to make the movie about his what he wished his childhood was. Yeah. I'm like good for him, but this is not grabbing me in any way shape or form. It, I must have watched it cuz I I got that. I did get that, but I will say that it hit me at just the right time where I was eager and anxious to watch another et or something like that because that's what i got out of it that's all et is et is one of the stupidest movies if it it holds up simply because of nostalgia for me because if you go back and you watch et like as an adult really none of that stuff should have happened (laughs) that to me me, that was a very it was a childhood adventure movie that got the big budget you know cycle it, it it got put through all the big budget things that big budget movies need to in order to become hits but yep. if somebody other than steven spielberg has their hands in that or you know if 
if that if another production company had their hands in that, that's not a good movie. No, yeah, like it's, it's a very specific confluence of factors that came together. And we're like, well, hey, this works. It's going to be classic forever. Right. Well, you don't hear people talking about ET that often anymore. Yeah. Well, it, it got it, it made the rounds um, back when George Lucas did the special editions of Star Wars, and he did <laughs> he did all <laughs> he did the, all the guns with radios. Yeah, they replaced yeah, yeah. the guns, and then for the Blu-ray. Uh, which my sister bought me for my birthday a couple years ago. Yeah. Um, Very nice. But they put the guns back. (laughs) And that was because of... South Park? I don't know what it was. It was... South Park did a whole, like, thing on that. It was, like, freaking ridiculous. I I agree with them. I want to say, though, before I forget, actually bring it back to tropes, E.T. reminded me, that's one of the tropes that I I can't say I absolutely hate, but I think it's tired and it kind of annoys me when I see it now, and it was in Stranger Things, is the evil scientist trope. Yeah. Once, Once they discover something supernatural, paranormal, the evil scientists become completely amoral and just like we just need the information we just need to find out what's going on and we're gonna sacrifice and dissect and fuck with anything we need to to find out what's happening here well that's i mean how how many times have you seen that in a movie where an alien or somebody with superpowers are avoiding detection because oh i know if the government gets their hands on me all they're gonna do is dissect me i mean that and they will literally say that every time they're going to dissect yeah. me they will right. that that is the line that will be said <clears throat> yes right. they'll I think that is kind of the. There's a new TV show coming out called Legion. Have you heard about that? Yeah, yeah. It's like an X Men spinoff thing. Yeah, and I think one of the ads like is really heavy on that. Like, oh, we got to save the babies because the scientists just want to dissect them. Yeah, the one movie that turned it on its head, but it still had the evil military trope. And as much as I hate to use this example because I hate this movie, is Avatar. The scientists are oh. actually the good guys in Avatar. Yeah, and that's because James Cameron is an eco terrorist. <laughs> um. Yeah. Another another good one is species yep they, they uh, create the monster just to see if they could create the monster you know stuff like that yeah like the, the stupid naive like there's a line in the first species movie which i guess there's like 20 of them now but the first one had a line where they made a, a woman because women are more docile and michael madsen's all yeah. like oh i guess you guys don't get out much huh <laughs> <laughs> stupid like, mad scientist yeah that's right every every scientist in the world is just a fucking nerd that lives in a lab you're right i'm sorry <laughs> Thank you, Michael Madsen, for illuminating this situation for us. Well, we're mad scientists because we were picked on as kids, and now we've created a creature that's going to kill all you assholes. Yeah. So, who wins this yeah. war? Who gets? If you get the hot girl now, it's not going to be something you're going to be happy about, is it? No. <laughs> that's what the now, whole movie was. The scientists get their revenge on the jocks. Now go have sex with Natasha Henskridge. <clears throat> yes, right. Which, you know, still might be worth it. If you're going to die, everybody dies at some point. But Ah, uh, you know what? Just thinking about this, and I thought about Stargate, I, I have to retract everything i've said so far and i i have to say that my least favorite matter of fact it makes me cringe every single time i see it or hear it on tv or in a movie i absolutely hate it it'll it's the first thing that'll make me shut the thing off is in television and movies whenever somebody has a gun they always have to rack it cock it <laughs> they, the gun has got to make noise in order for yeah. you as an audience member to be alerted to the fact that there's a gun yeah. on, in the scene and I, I say Stargate because there's a ridiculous scene, absolutely ridiculous scene. And just to be clear, when I say cocking a gun or racking a gun, I mean it makes that sound. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Now, shotgun, they also have to 
A, yeah. a gun would only make that sound when you are racking a bullet into the chamber in order to fire it. Okay. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> it's very common when you're preparing to do something with a gun to make that sound. And it only has to be made once in order yeah. to put a bullet in. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. It's called an automatic gun for a reason. <laughs> so there's a scene in Stargate where the, <clears throat> I, I guess they're Marines. Anyway, the, the elite tactical force that gets put down on this, in this dimension, planet. I don't know. What is it? I think it's Where another they... planet. It's just another planet somewhere. That yeah, they've yeah used it's, another, it's another planet with humans on it. It looks like Egypt. So, it's also... so they're, they're in the pyramid and they're all kind of sitting around smoking and joking, these the elite force. And all of a sudden they get... Uh invaded by these right, al- right. alien guys. So then it turns into this tense moment where they're walking around hunting down and trying to evade and avoid these giant beasts that they have. They don't know what they are, but they know they're the enemy. So there's this scene where every corner that they walk around and point their gun, it makes that sound. Yep, and it is... Yep. It becomes almost unwatchable with like the <laughs> fifth time you go around a corner and just because you hold your gun up, it goes... Yep. It, yep. Ah, it, it makes me so angry when I see it. Because so, that rattle every time you move them. It, it's not even a rattle. It's that. That's the actual it's that, sound. Okay. It's the actual racking sound. Yeah. Every time they go around a corner, it, and it's it's Hollywood has taught people that in order to know that there is a gun in the scene, you have to make that sound. Oh it, yes. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say that totally reminds me of another one that I hate. So yeah. So I'm gonna call this the racking gun trope, and that is my least favorite. And it. That's- will absolutely make me shut off a TV show or a movie. Yep. (laughs) Which is unfortunate because that happens all the goddamn time. Yeah. And I guess... You know, my my thing is with entertainment and with movies and things like that, I want somebody to watch it and then I want somebody normal to watch it before they make it available <laughs> to the public. And they do. They do test screenings and stuff. If I were ever involved in a test screening, I would be either the best or the worst person that they could have because I would... Just raise your hand every five seconds. Oh, I got a problem with this. Absolutely tear it apart <laughs> because it's everything's in the details. And, that's, and I'll be honest with you, that is the reason why I walked away from the walk. Walking Dead. That's the way I, I, I shut it <laughs> off is all because of the details. I yeah. couldn't take it anymore. So anyway, you well, had a revelation. Well, I'll tell you my fondest wish. I want to see this sometime before I die. So I want to watch it could be a movie or a TV show. Two girls. Yeah. And, and yeah, maybe two cups because, you know, having a share. <laughs> Sorry, I was doing yeah. the old office space. <laughs> what would you do if you had all that money? Oh, yeah. <laughs> two chips. Two girls at once. <laughs> I think it takes a million dollars for girls to double up on a guy like me. So <laughs> Anyway, so go ahead. Uh, <laughs> I want to see a movie or a TV show where somebody uses a computer and the computer doesn't make any goddamn noise when they're using it. That's <laughs> yeah. what I want to see. I, I will die Absolutely. a happy man. If Absolutely. I die riddled with every STD in the world in a gutter with fucking stuff dribbling out of every orifice, but I'm watching a TV show where they're, all you hear is a keyboard sound and that's it? Yeah. Oh my God, I'll, I'll die with a smile on my face. It won't get, be able to get the smile off my face for the fucking casket because I'll be that happy. Yeah. I get, that drives me up a wall every time, especially yep. if it's supposed to be a tech-heavy TV show, like something where they're like using computers to hack into something right. or, or like, you know, any of those robot that, or anything, anything that's supposed to be... NCIS, CSI, any yes. of those, if, anytime they're using a device, a uh, flat screen, uh, anything, it has to It's make the noises. That, yep. And somebody wants, I think I saw an explanation once, like, the audience wouldn't know the computer's working unless it makes noise. I call bullshit on that. Absolutely. I call bullshit on that. Yep. At this day and age, just like having... <laughs> 
a character using a telephone, but you don't have the operator connecting it. Well, they don't know how do how does the audience know that they're actually talking to the other person without the operator right. connecting? That that era is long gone. Everybody yeah. knows what a computer is. Everybody knows what a computer does and does not do as far as sounds and everything like that. Like when they're doing a trace, it goes. Yeah. No, no computer in the world does that. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I know you know exactly what you're talking about. When you have an iPhone, most people turn off the clicking noise for their iPhone because they don't want to hear the, you know, when they're texting, they don't want to hear right. the clicking noise. Everybody hates that shit. All I want to hear is like a keyboard going, and that's it. That's you know all who, I want to hear. You know who doesn't hate that shit? Mm. Hollywood. Hollywood. Damn you, Hollywood. Because they you, think people you are You one dumb. particular Hollywood person? Mm-hmm. Well, how much of what Hollywood does is what Hollywood, they think they have to do because they've always done it. Like, I would have thought somebody somewhere would have said, you know what? How about we don't put the beeps in the goddamn computer scene? You're fired. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. That's the kind of thing we can't have around here. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> Computers beep. What do you think? People would know? <laughs> but how do we know the hero's hacking if there's uh. no beeping? <laughs> Another good one uh, is when somebody dodges an explosion. Like, I was just thinking of uh, in one of the newest Transformers. It could be the newest one. I don't know. But it's the one where Mark Wahlberg is, he finds Optimus Prime. Spoiler alert. Yeah, I don't know. And, I stopped watching that since the second one because I couldn't take him anymore. Well, I mean, all of them are basically the same. But there's the scene yeah, yeah. In, in this one with Mark Wahlberg. And they he's got this barn that is full of transformer stuff or whatever. And it's now set up so the government can come to your house and take any transformer stuff from you. (laughs) And so a fight ensues because he's got Optimus prime and he's for no reason other than the fact that he's an inventor with a dream. He keeps Optimus Prime from the government, uh, even though it could kill him and his family. His daughter's there and <laughs> whatever. So there's all these scenes and all these, like, they get into a fight and there's missiles flying everywhere and bullets flying everywhere. And finally, the barn explodes and they kind of just, like, dodge it. Like, they, they jump out <laughs> a window or something while the barn is exploding. And you'd have to see the explosion, actually, to really... It's Michael Bay, so you, yes. you can get oh, an idea. Yeah. So... I want to know how these people are like five feet away from an entire barn exploding without having the pressure just blow their eardrums and blow their head clear off their neck and like die from all the, you know what I mean? Like how, how are you? <laughs> well, that's a high, that's a Hollywood explosion. As, as long as you can avoid the heat, that's all explosion is, is the heat. And, and you really don't even have to avoid the heat the half fire. the time. I mean, yeah. I mean, half the time you don't have to, you can be jumping out a window while something's exploding and the pressure does nothing for you. Like right. at the very least, your eardrums would be bleeding. But and one of the things I liked about the Hurt, hurt Lockers, they established the fact that they the heat from the bomb that's going to kill you is the, the pressure. The way oh, yeah. The pressure they, coming out. He's, he's wearing a bomb suit. Yeah. The, the compression just kills him. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, that's another trope. That, <clears throat> tropes. So, can we think of a, a good trope? Like, we've, we've been shitting on tropes all night. Can we think uh, of a good check, one besides Chekhov's check gun? gun. Um, a trope. Let's, let's just pick a movie out of the blue and let's pick something that's in it that, as an audience member, we love, even though it's a, like, let's okay, take... I got one. Okay, go. I'm not going to say no particular movie, but the character who is the, I don't know how you describe it, the innocent, they're a stand-in for the audience. So if somebody needs to be have something explained, you have to have a character that doesn't know what's going on. Right. So the world building can progress. Like The Matrix. Neo is, a, at the beginning, is a stand-in for us. We yeah. don't know what the fuck The Matrix is. We don't know how it works. Everybody else does. Right. So you, you have know. to have Morpheus. So you have to have Morpheus explain it. Right. And Let's, so that we know, so you, it's a trope, but it's a necessary trope. Like 
how how else are you going to get the information across unless you have a narrator just going and eh, this is the way the world works <laughs> yeah you you'd have to have and that's that's a good example but let's just take die hard for example let's let's pick a good trope and a bad trope okay die hard good trope guy die hard good trope one man against the world you yep. know, the, like the, the hero is the only one that knows really what's going on and the only one put to handle it. Right. It's done again and again, but I would almost say that's why we watch any movie even remotely like that. It's because we want to see that one hero save everybody. We want to see the guy that gets the things done that nobody else can get done. The, the plucky hero. Yeah. The guy you need somebody to root for, right? Yep. yep. Like one thing about when well, you're watching Game of Thrones, especially if, you, if you're somebody that read the books, I'm going to be that guy, is you, you're hard pressed to pick out who the hero is, like who the hero is. Like, most people point to probably Jon Snow and it's shaping up that way as the seasons go on but at the beginning it was Ned and then Ned died and then it was oh, spoiler maybe, alert I'm sorry oh my god well it's Sean Bean so if you're gonna watch a movie with Sean Bean you know it's gonna happen anyways <coughs> so man against the world one man against the world uh, it's a good trope it's a trope but it's always, a good trope because you need it always one step ahead yeah he's always one step ahead of the bad guy he's, he's the one that knows the truth of what's happening and he's the one that's gonna have to save everybody right or she it happens to aliens right which is we've established the best movie that's ever been made yes far and away (laughs) best movie ever anybody listening to the podcast could learn a lot from from just that statement anybody listening to podcasts that disagrees is gonna have to come here and fight us fisticuffs Uh, and then we will put a face hugger on them and send them on their way we will face rape you with a monster We're not saying what monster, because facehuggers don't exist, but we'll find a monster. LV426. Uh, so bad trope. What's a bad trope from Die Hard? Bad trope from Die Hard. Let's see. Um, it's gotta have cop something a complete in a complete inability to recognize how physically hurt the hero actually is. Like he'll, but he got the glass in his feet. He made some, you know, oh my feet hurt. I'm pulling the glass out. Ow, 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 and that was it. Like the the complete inability. And I know this is endemic to almost every action movie in the world, but the complete inability for the hero to acknowledge how hurt he actually is. Yeah, because he would be almost crippled by all the glasses feet all the abuse his body goes through like i would like to i would like to see a real action movie where the guy's just like on a crutch at the end barely getting his gun to lift up high enough to make a one last pull of the trigger to kill mm-hmm. the bad guy you know like they're always beat up and battered by the end but they're you you, you get the impression that it's like it's cool man he could go back in there and do it again if he needed to oh that's another good terrible trope is the flesh wound <laughs> The I've, you off. have to shoot the hero, but the hero only gets a scratch on their arm. Good thing that the bad guy couldn't aim yes. because because he only got hit in the arm and it was yeah. just a grazing. The hero's always a sharpshooter, but the bad guy's always terrible. Yeah, stormtroopers, <laughs> obviously. But there was um. It reminds me of something. Something you saw Sin City, right? Yeah. How the characters get shot, like especially the big guy Marv gets shot up and just keeps on going. Mm-hmm. Somebody once, and this is like a thing that Frank Miller, the, the creator, did in the comic books a lot. I, I can't remember who said it once, but somebody once said somebody needs to shoot Frank Miller just in the arm once, so he actually realizes how much it really hurts, right? How much it actually stops you in your tracks. You know what? I'll be honest with you. Uh, I loved. The Man in the High Castle. Have you seen it? Yeah. Okay, spoiler alert for anybody listening. Yeah. Um, The Man in the High Castle almost got ruined for me because of a detail. When he wrestles, when he gets shot, the... I, I can't call him the main character, but the guy, the Nazi. No, he's the one that wants to go, and uh, he's in San Francisco, and he's the tall guy with the glasses. No, he's got the girlfriend, and the girlfriend is gone, and so he goes to assassinate yeah, the Japanese. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the that's the guy. <laughs> 
What's that? That was the guy with the glasses. Yeah. Well, he gets shot Frank. in the arm. Frank. 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Yeah, he, he gets shot in the arm, right? Yeah. So then his girlfriend returns with some mystery. Mm-hmm. So they're in the middle of a, should we break up or should we stay together or whatever? Or something's going on. And while he's got a bandage on his arm that he's just been shot, he's just been shot square on in the arm. Mm-hmm. And then he walks into the room and he leans against the door frame on the bandage <laughs> where he was just shot. <laughs> And yep. I would be that guy test screening that would raise my hand and say, uh, if he were just shot in the arm, he would not be leaning on a door frame. Yeah, there's a in the same vein, there's an infamous scene from the um, from Walking Dead where the governor is looking down a scope with a fucking eye that has the eye patch on it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That doesn't shock me at all. That yeah, that yeah. show was that went off the rails a long time ago for me as far as details. See, so and I'll agree with you with the details, it's still fun and entertaining. Yeah, I won't argue that point. So I think that we've killed the whole trope thing. Yeah, at this point we're just we could we could go down a list of tropes, but that would be like another two hours of podcasting right there. So let's finish up. Let's wrap it up. Okay. And how we've decided to wrap up our episodes is with a trivia question. Yes, because we both we both love trivia. Yep, you have your trivia question. I do. It's not. I kind of had to scramble to think of something. So if it doesn't, if it falls flat, it falls flat. I apologize. But okay, I'll go first. I'll go first. Yeah. Um, What is the largest geological thing in the observable universe? No. I take that back. In our solar system. You know what? I had a feeling you could ask me an astronomy question. (laughs) I don't know why. (laughs) All right. The the largest geological feature in our solar system that we know of. Or just in in the solar system. In our solar system that we know of, what is the largest geological feature? Hmm. That's a broad category. Would it be Olympus Mons? It would be Olympus Mons. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Uh, proud. I'm actually pretty proud that you knew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you know that if you you are standing at the top of Olympus Mons. For anybody that doesn't know, that is a volcanic range on Mars. On Mars, yeah. If you were standing on top of Olympus Mons and looking out over the horizon, you'd still be looking at Olympus Mons. It Ooh. actually follows the curvature of the planet, so you couldn't see anything other than what you're standing on at its peak. So, largest geological stru- uh, feature in our solar system. As an aside, I read a, a <coughs> couple of novels years ago about humans in the far future using technology to make themselves Greek gods. And then they replayed all of the uh, Iliad on Mars using yep. Olympus Mons as Olympus. Uh-huh. Mm. Has nothing to do with what you were saying, but hey. <laughs> all fine. right. So my question, I, I, I stuck with the pop culture TV theme because I couldn't think of anything else off the bat. And I know you said it doesn't have to be, but this is, so like I said, if it falls flat, it falls flat, I apologize. But I'll just see if you can name who has been called the patron saint of shark jumping. I know this. And for me, I would have known I could picture him, but I had to look up the name. Oh, you want the actor's name? Do you do you know or the, the actor's character? Name? Well, I, the character is a repeat. There's a lot of characters. The patron saint of shark jumping is it's uh, not just a bunch of people. It's one person. Right, that's a guy, Henry Winkler, yeah. as as the Fonz. No, actually jumping the shark. That's not. Actually, I know. I, I, that's where the phrase came from. Yes. So I would count. I would count him as the shark jumper. He is the the proto shark jumper. Yes, the actual <laughs> shark jumper. <laughs> Okay, so but who you're closer than you think with happy days because okay, so this guy Ted McGinley, do okay. you know who I'm talking about? No, he he was on Happy Days. I don't know because I I never watched Happy Days that much, but I guess he replaced Ron Howard, Richie Cunningham. 
in the last few seasons of Happy Days. And then he replaced, like, you know, you will know who I'm talking about if you look him up. Okay. And then he replaced, he was on The Love Boat for the last couple of seasons. And then he was on Mirror of the Children for most of the run. He was actually more than half of it. He was, he replaced the neighbor okay. as Darcy's husband. and Marcy's husband. He was Darcy. Yeah. Marcy's husband. Okay. I, yeah, I know exactly who you're talking about. Yeah. And he, like, there's a whole list. I looked it up. There's a whole list of stuff. Let's see. Dynasty, Sports Night, um, and a couple like Charlie Lawrence to having to hold on. I don't know. But there's a whole list of stuff. And it's unreal. Like, this joy, this guy, never Mad Men. He was in, like, the last, second last season of Mad Men or something like that, just before it ended. And, like, when he joined Mad Men, everybody was like, what the hell? This is it. This is the sign of the end. And sure enough, like, two seasons later, our season later, it was done. With. Oh, I see. So he's, like, a he's curse. He's the patron saint. He's, like, the curse. When he joins the show, <clears throat> it's on its way out. Or okay. he joins it after its glory days. It might it might limp along for a long time. It's never quite as good as it used to be. He latches on. and Okay, I see. I see what you mean. I was thinking more along the lines of the person responsible for the actual shark jumping. No, no. And yeah, it was, this is why they call him the patron saint of shark jumping because he's not the one that did it, but he's the one that when he appears, you know, it's going to happen. Like in a piece of toast when you see Jesus or something. <laughs> that means you're going to get I'm not paid. I don't know how that works. Going to get paid. I wish <laughs> I had a piece of toast with Jesus' image in it. Or a statue of Virgin Mary crying blood. Or crying toast. That would be a double miracle. Oh my God. If I had a statue that would cry toast, I would just be. Oh. <laughs> I'll just see toast all the time. I know. I sell it when anybody look at No, get away. It's my toast statue. Toast statue. That'd be a great movie. If you can make a movie called Rubber about a wheel that kills people, you can make a toast statue movie. Okay. So, Ninja Dinosaur Toast Statue. The Ninja Dinosaur versus the Toast Statue. I would watch that. Yeah, I would watch it too on Netflix. Everything else is on Netflix, might as well. Okay. Well, I think that that is a successful inaugural episode and get to editing this and try and do another one next Saturday. Sounds good to me. I have to pick up which topic piques our interest the most. Well, I'll let you decide. I'll let you decide because I feel like I, I chose this one. All right, well, I got the list. I'll go through it. All right. Cool. All right. Well, I'm going to sign off then. I feel like as time goes on, we should come up with unique sign-offs. So I'm going to say, you know, zip it up and zip it out. See you later. And then I'll say uh, Oak Nuggins. Oak Nuggins. Dip me in your Monday milk. (laughs) Dip dip me in your Monday milk. Dip me in your Monday milk. All right. All right. Well, I'll talk to you later then. All right.